Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you today. Uh, I, my name is Alex, like Will said. Uh, we are out right now in Lockport, New York, uh, but happy to be back in Rochester, happy to be back at Trinity Alliance. We were here a couple years ago for Training Ground, uh, part of the uh, District Disciple Making Ministries team uh, event that met here. And so that was the last time we were here, but it's good to be back. Happy to fill in for Pastor Brian while he's taking some much-deserved uh, vacation. So thank you, Emily, and your team for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, Will, for being such a, a generous host. And uh, like I said, we are so, so glad to be here with us, uh, with you this morning. Um, it's really strange to be going somewhere into a church where you've never been, a church where you've never spoken before, and uh, you seem like a, a sermon series type of church. You know, you finished one last week, you're moving into another one. So these, these one-off messages can be tough, and you don't know necessarily where to go. And so I had asked the Lord uh, a few weeks ago, just what, what did he have uh, for us this morning? And he led me to the book of James uh, for what I hope is a timely message for you, uh, as it was a timely message for me. Uh, if you don't know me very well, you don't know that the book of James happens to be my favorite book in the Bible. Uh, I am a bullet point type of person. So if you have, if you have something, do this, do this, do this, and you'll end up here. That's where I am. That's my favorite kind of thing. And so the book of James is really good at that. So if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to open to James chapter 3. And in James chapter 3, we're going to look at something that's very practical, uh, very relevant, but also very straightforward and very powerful. We're going to talk about the power of our words and the power of the tongue and how we deal with that. So I read a statistic on words. Uh, the average American has about 30 conversations a day. Uh, we, on average, spend a fifth of our lives talking or in conversation. So if you were to add up the amount of words that you spoke in a year, they would fill up 66 books at 800 pages per book. Now that's a lot of words, and that's just the average, right? We have people who are very soft-spoken and say very little, and then we have people on the other side of that. My two little boys who are here with me, I'm convinced that they spend four-fifths of their life talking and not one-fifth. And so they are always, always talking, and you have those types of people. But you have the people who have the ability to say exactly the right thing when you need to hear it. And you also have people who have this incredible ability to say the wrong thing at exactly the wrong time. So I heard a story this week I thought I'd share with you as we get started. It's about a teenage boy who got his very first job at the grocery store. He was working in the produce section at the grocery store, and uh, he was trying to make it look really nice, trying to keep it organized. I see those people at Wegmans all the time. Uh, as I pick bananas off, they put them back on. So that's his job. And, and his very first day, he has a woman come up to him and say, I, I would like to buy a half a head of lettuce. And he says, a half a head of lettuce? You know, it's like a dollar to buy the whole head of lettuce. Don't you want to buy the whole head of lettuce? You know, he tried to convince her, tried to sell her that. And, and she said, no, 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 I just need a half a head of lettuce. So it's my first day. I don't know if we do this. I need to go talk to a manager. So he marches to the back of the store. And what he doesn't notice is that the lady marches with him. And he gets to the back of the store. He knocks on the door. He opens the manager's office. And he says, excuse me, sir, this crazy old lady out here would like to buy a half a head of lettuce. 
and he sees the look of horror in the manager's face, and he knows something is up. So he turns to his side, and he says, and this nice lady would like to buy the other half. What do we do? Will that be all right? And the manager was so impressed. He, he came later to congratulate you, you. You saved us a customer. It was wonderful. It was quick thinking. How did you do that? And, and, he, and he said, I, I want to know a little bit more about you. Where are you from? And he says, well, I'm from Toronto, Canada, the home of ugly women and beautiful hockey players. And the manager replied, my wife is from Toronto, Canada. To which the boy responded, oh yeah? Well, what team did she play for? And, and our words, they make a difference. Our, our words, things that come out of our mouths can be funny. Things that come out of our mouths can get us into trouble. Our words can inspire. Our words can give life. And the book of James talks about the tongue and the power of our words more than any other book in the New Testament. There, in all five chapters in the book of James, there is something about the power of our words and the power of our tongue. And so today... I'd like to look at why our words have so much power, the impact that those words can have on our spiritual lives, why they're so hard to tame, and then how we can use our words to be a source of blessing rather than a source of harm. So in these 12 verses in James chapter 3, we get three very powerful principles. We get some practical applications on how we tame the tongue. And the first principle is this. We never underestimate the power of the tongue. We never underestimate the power of the tongue. I, I am guilty of this from time to time, and I believe a lot of us underestimate the power of words. Words matter. The things that we say, the things that we type, the things that we write. And James tells us that the tongue is a small part of our body, but it is extremely influential and powerful. How powerful, you ask? Well, James tells us it has the power to bring judgment in our lives. And he starts off this way in James chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, James starts off chapter 3 with very strong words, specifically to those who teach in the church. He says, not many of you should be teachers. And why does he say that? He says, because those of you who are teachers in the church, you, you have the responsibility to handle the Word of God. You have the responsibility to teach the Word of God. You have to speak what the text says. Not full of your own opinions, not, not the latest fad that's out there on what you should be teaching, not, not based on what you're feeling. You need to teach what the Bible says. And your words have power because they influence other people. James says this is a big responsibility. Because as you teach the Bible in, in kids' church, in small group, right here on this platform, as you teach it, you have to handle it with care. You have to know what it says because you have the power to lead people with your words. And you can lead them down a path that the Lord calls them to, or you can lead them astray. And it also is hard because you are then expected to live out what you are teaching. The Bible says that teachers will be judged more strictly uh, in other words, teachers will be held to a higher standard when it comes to their words. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know that heaven notices the words that are preached in this church. 
Heaven notices the words that Pastor Brian shares with you each week. Heaven notices the words that, that happen in children's church, in small group. And they are weighty and they are important and they, it is a heavy responsibility. And then in verse 2, he opens that up a little bit bigger and he includes all of us in that audience. He says, we all stumble in many ways. In other words, no one is perfect when it comes to their words and controlling what comes out of their mouth. However, James says, you can tell if someone is spiritually mature by how they can rein in their tongue, by how they can control their mouth, by, by how they're able to control their Facebook comments, by how they're able to control what they send out to other people uh, through text messages or on the internet or, or anything, because words matter and words can do damage, spoken typed or written and I can tell you one of the very first things that I do when I'm trying to get a grasp of somebody when I'm trying to get to know somebody a little bit better is I look at things like social media I look at the things that people are doing and the people are saying when when they don't think that other people are watching because that gives you a glimpse into their maturity and into their character for 13 years I've been in ministry and I've worked with a lot of people and I've learned, I know a lot of great success stories and wonderful things that God has done and, and wonderful stories that have been uh, incredible blessings for the kingdom of God. But I've also met people who have missed out on opportunities, who have missed out on teenagers missing out on scholarships because they could not control their words or their actions. Because they could not keep a tight rein on their, their tongue. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it's like a master switch. And if you can get control of that, if you can kind of rein that in, you have the potential to do great things. However, it has the power to bring judgment on your life. James also says it has the power to control our lives. Look at verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So James gives us two insightful illustrations here on, on things that are very small that have the potential to control things that are very large. And the first one is this illustration of a racehorse. Now there was a big race a few weeks ago where lots of people watched and, and lots of things happened. And, and, and I watched those racehorses and they are huge. They weigh a couple thousand pounds. They run around the track at 40, 50 miles an hour. And yet that 110 pound jockey on the back of that horse can control the whole animal. And, and even yet... That little piece of metal in the mouth of the horse, called a bit, is what is strategically placed by a trainer to control that entire animal. That bit is connected to two strips of leather, and that leads the horse wherever you want it to go. And James says uh, the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it controls the direction of our lives. The word or a phrase that you have spoken or heard can influence your life. And many of you probably have this experience in your life. You remember words spoken to you by people that have directed the impact and the influence and the direction of your life. And the sad thing is a lot of us don't remember the positive ones. A lot of us remember the negative ones. Those of you who have ever been on a cruise ship, you'll like this next example. I just think of a big ship for a moment. Now, I, I read up cruise ships weigh an average today of about 200,000 gross tons. That's a lot of weight. That's 200,000 times 2,000. That's a big number of pounds. 
He had a, a relatively small slab of steel on the back of that ship can direct it out of nasty weather and rough seas. It can lead it wherever the pilot wants it to go. And James is essentially saying that like the rudder is the steering wheel of the ship, the tongue is the steering wheel of our lives. And I, I don't know about you, and I know that you don't know me well, but this, I think we're all in the same boat in the last 15 months. The last 15 months have been really, really hard to remain positive. Uh, it's, it seems like we've been barded with bad news at every turn. And I think 2020 is just a representation of that. Maybe the beginning of 2021 wasn't much better, but I've started saying, you know, when something bad happens, I'm like, that's so 2020, right? That's just, it just fits, right? And, and one of the things for me as a pastor that was the hardest thing over the last 15 months was the negativity and the whining and the written and verbal attacks on people at every turn. It was like almost everywhere we turned, there was attack after attack after attack. And you saw it on the news. You saw it in the media. You saw it on social media. You saw it outside the church. You saw it inside the church. You've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. And it is hard. It's been a hard, hard year. And maybe you are going through a tough time. And it has caused your speech to turn dark. Maybe complaining and whining is the new normal for you. I would encourage you to let it not be so with you. Let us be the kind of people who find joy in the hard times. In Lockport every year, our church chooses a word for the year. It kind of shapes the direction from which we preach and kind of undergirds everything that we do. In 2020, that word was hope, which I think was very fitting. We didn't know that at the end of 2019 that that was going to be such a strong word in 2020. And this year, that word is joy. Joy in everything. And we've been looking at the book of Philippians and how Paul was able to find joy in any situation because he knew what he had within him. I want us to be people who find joy in hard times. The people who speak words of encouragement and life into people. The words that, that are full of kindness and truth and grace and peace and hope. Because here's the truth from James. People who are negative in their speech become negative in their lives because the rest of the person follows the tongue. The tongue can bring judgment. The tongue can control us. And it also says that the tongue has the power to destroy our lives. Verse 5. Verse 5 says this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. James begins verse 5 with another powerful illustration, the destruction of a forest by fire. Now on the East Coast, that's not something that we deal with on a regular basis like our friends on the West Coast. But we've seen pictures and we've seen the devastation of what those forest fires can do. And a little closer to home, in our congregation, in the last five years, three families have been displaced by house fires. And we've been able to, to see the destruction of a small spark firsthand, and the devastation that can cause on possessions, the devastation that can cause on family, the way that that displaces people. One small spark can light up an entire house, and it can cause incredible amounts of destruction. And James says our tongue has the power to cause that kind of destruction. And when I thought about this, my mind meant immediately uh, to an interview I saw a long time ago, when I was 11 years old, believe it or not, a long time ago. 
Uh, I don't know if any of you are like my wife, but my wife really enjoys the royal family that lives on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. And she likes to follow along with them and keep caught up with them. And so we watch a lot of things and, and learn a lot of things about them. But my mind went immediately to an interview that I saw Princess Diana give in 1997, shortly before her death. Now, there was no secret that Princess Diana and Prince Charles had marital issues and struggles that ultimately led to their divorce. It was no secret that Princess Diana struggled with an eating disorder. And uh, in, in my mind, as an 11, 12-year-old kid, I thought, how could a woman who has essentially everything that she could ever need struggle with something like that? And then that interview came to mind. And it was in 1997, shortly before she died, and she was very candid about some of the issues and the struggles that she dealt with. She talked about her marriage issues. She talked about this, this eating disorder. And she talked about the minute that it started. She could pinpoint that moment in time. And it was early on in her relationship with Prince Charles. And he came up from behind and he grabbed her around the waist. And he said, oh, a bit chubby here, aren't we? And I'm sure that's something that he doesn't remember. I'm sure it was something he just said off the cuff. But it, it stuck with her. And for the rest of her life, she struggled with that. Our words, whether just shot off the cuff or whether thought, have the potential for incredible devastation and destruction. They can do horrific damage. And James says, never underestimate the power of the tongue because it can bring judgment on you. It can control you. It can destroy you. And then he gives us another principle about it. He says, never turn it loose. Never turn it loose. Something with so much destructive power, something with so much capability for bad things must be carefully watched and consistently controlled. Verse 7 says this, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, it's amazing to me the things that we can train animals to do. Medina, New York, between Lockport and Rochester, there was a circus a couple of years ago that we went to. And at the end of the circus, they brought these dogs out that had been on the show America's Got Talent. And these dogs could do incredible things. They were like riding bikes. They were jumping on each other. They were passing a ball back and forth. They were walking a tightrope. It was amazing. It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. In Niagara Falls, we have an aquarium we go to. We're members of the aquarium. We go and they have this seal show where the seals clap and they pass a ball around and they do all these incredible things that they've been trained to do. We watch on TV where lions can jump through rings of fire and all of these things that humans have been able to train them to do. And James says, but no one can tame the tongue. He says our tongues are a restless evil full of deadly poison. So what do we do with this small piece of flesh that rests behind our teeth. What do we do with it? How do we control it? How do we handle it? And the Bible says, well, we have to guard it. We have to guard it. We cannot let it loose. Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 21 that he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. David tells us in Psalm 141 verse 3, this is a prayer, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. One of the ways that we can guard our lips, guard what we say, is we can guard who we spend our time with. I tell people in our congregation, especially teenagers, that you become like the five people that you spend the most time with. After a little while, you start to think like them, and act like them, and dress like them, and look like them, and talk like them. And so, 
if you spend your time with people who gossip, that's going to start to show up in your life. And I heard a statement one time that stuck with me. A person who will gossip to you will certainly gossip about you. Now I want to go back to verse 6 for a minute because I don't want to miss this. James says that our tongues are set on fire by hell. And what does that mean? James uses this word for hell that is not Hades, like the place hell that we think about when we think of the place called hell. He uses the word Gehenna, which was actually a garbage dump that existed a long time ago outside of Jerusalem, where all of the trash from Jerusalem would be taken out and piled up there. And he's saying like all of the garbage that accumulates in Jeru- from Jerusalem in Gehenna, all of the evil in a sinful heart accumulates on the tongue. So how do I guard my tongue? How do I protect myself from this? Well, think about it this way. Uh, I take great pride in my front yard. If you were to drive by my house, you will see that it's very nicely mulched. It's very nicely edged. We've got the flowers out. I have destroyed the dandelions. I have, I have worked very hard to get those dandelions right because I like it to look nice. And, and, and we mow it in different directions. We, we really take great pride in our front yard. I'm invested in it. I've spent hours there. I've worked at it. Now, say a friend pulls into my driveway one day and says, hey, my car is full of garbage. You mind if I just empty the contents of my car onto your front lawn? You mind if I just dump all of that there? What am I going to say? Somebody who takes great pride in their front Absolutely not. You're not putting your stinky garbage in my front yard. No way, no how. Our life is like that. We work hard in our lives. We're invested in it. We've done what we can to honor God with how we live. You spend time working on it. You, you invest in it. You work and you put in that effort. My challenge would be don't let someone destroy that with gossip or filth or anything else that they want to come and dump in your life. We've got to guard it. So we never underestimate the power of the tongue. We don't turn it loose And then lastly, James says, we always listen to what it says. We always listen to what it says. Because what you say with your words says a lot about who you are. It reveals your character. It tells us what's really going on in your heart. Verse 9 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. James is painting a picture for us. He's saying, you know, we we come to church, and with this mouth, we praise God. We sing praises to him. We worship him. We honor him. We encourage one another. We tell one another we love them. We tell God we love him. And then we get in the car, in the parking lot, And we pull out onto the street and that same mouth that just praised God in church tears into somebody on Spencerport Road because they're not driving like they should, right? They're not driving the way that I want them to drive, so they are obviously wrong. Or that same mouth that just praised God rips into their kids in the back seat because they talk four-fifths of the time and not one-fifth of the time. And they're driving you crazy. Or, Or that same mouth that just praised God talks poorly at lunch about somebody that you just shared a laugh with in the foyer. And James says, that should not be. 
As a matter of fact, listen to what James says in verse 9. When we put somebody else down, when we tear into them, we are essentially putting God down because that person has the stamp of God on their lives. So that person is made in God's likeness. Now, I cannot imagine standing up to God and shaking my fist at him and saying, you sorry, good-for-nothing, worthless... I can't imagine doing that, but, but what James is hinting at here is that when we talk badly about one another or another brother or sister in Christ, we are, we are putting God down because that person is made in the likeness of God, and that is strong. That's a strong warning. Think about it just for a moment. What have you said to your spouse this week, your husband or your wife? What have you said to your kids this week? Kids, what have you said to your parents this week? about to your friends? Have you devalued another person with your words who is made in the image of God? Because the repercussions of that aren't just here, right? They can clog up our relationship with God too. They can get in the way of our prayer life. They can hinder our relationship with God. And our tongue has this potential to be like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where one minute it's saying loving things and the next minute it's lashing out. Sometimes it's building somebody up, and sometimes it's tearing somebody down. Sometimes it's bringing life, and sometimes it's bringing death. Why is that? James gives us the answer. And I don't want you to miss this. This is the key. Because the tongue reveals our heart. This is really a heart issue at the center of it. Look at verse 11. It says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What James is saying is what's in the well comes out in the water. What's in the tree comes out in the fruit. Our problem is not really with our tongue. Our problem is with our heart. And what is in our heart comes out of our mouth. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? My mouth will eventually portray what is actually going on inside of me. Right? You cannot have a spring that gives fresh water and salt water at the same time because what's inside eventually comes out. So if you find yourself in this constant state of negativity or whining or locker room talk or gossip or sass or whatever it is that you've struggled with, I would say check your heart because there's probably something there that needs adjusting. There's something there that's not good because the tongue shows us our heart. And I was thinking through this this week and I was thinking about, you know, a person who has a harsh tongue probably has an angry heart. A person who has a negative tongue probably has a, a fearful heart. The person who has a boastful tongue probably has an insecure heart. Somebody who has a filthy tongue might have an impure heart. And maybe somebody who has a critical tongue has a bitter heart. See, the, the, what comes out of our mouth is a symptom of what's going on inside. And on the other hand, on the other side of this, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. See, even with all the destruction and hurt that our words can do, our words can also be a source of joy. Our words can also be a source of blessing. Our words can also be a source of refreshment to people. It can bring life. It can make someone's day. It can make someone's, someone's week. Um, we need those things in our life. We need those, those encouraging words from brothers and sisters to help out. How many times have you heard from somebody just the right thing at just the right time where you absolutely, desperately needed it? Give you an example. It happened in my life two weeks ago. 
Uh, I, w my wife had gone away for the weekend. She was gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I've got three little boys who are very active, and I was outnumbered like drastically, three to one all weekend. We had done all sorts of fun things. We had had a great weekend, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, dad was tired, right? We had gone to church. We had done all the things that we were supposed to do, and we were driving somewhere, and they were in the back seat doing that four-fifths talking all the time. Dad, dad, dad. They were kicking each other, and I had had enough, right? And at just that moment, I received a text message from somebody in our church. Somebody who had watched our, our service online, somebody I hadn't seen for a long time, and just, just was uplifting, encouraging, just, just what I needed to hear at just the right time. And you know what happened? Changed my whole day. Changed my whole perspective. Changed my whole attitude. It was just at the right time those words brought life to me. Here's my challenge for you. My encouragement for you. And for me too. But let's be people who speak life. Let's be encouragers. Regardless of what life brings, let's radiate joy. Let's use our words and our comments to build one another up. Now, I'm not telling you not to be truthful. I'm not telling you not to speak the truth in love because there are times where we need that. But what I'm saying is remember when you are speaking to somebody else, when you are talking about somebody else, that you are never talking about or speaking to somebody that God does not love, that is not precious in the eyes of God. So we have to remember that. So how do we do that? I want to close by giving you a few practical applications if you're struggling with this, um, which I, I know I needed these as well. So if you have a problem with your words, the first thing that you do is you have to admit that you have a problem, right? That's the first step in anything that we're going to change. We have to admit that we have a problem. So th those words can be with our mouth or, or on the internet or whatever it is that we're typing. Uh, but my challenge would be admit that, recognize it, confess it, and repent. Recognize it, confess it, and repent. And that just means, that doesn't mean just say you're sorry and not do anything different. Repent means to, to stop and to go in a completely different direction. So that's the first thing we've got to do. Second, we ask God to change our heart. Because we've we got to remember that this is, this is a heart issue at the very root of all of it. And I love what David says in Psalm 51 verse 10. He says, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. When there are things that are coming out of my mouth that I know shouldn't be coming out of my mouth, I say, God, you got to help me change my heart. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. God, change my heart. Because this is a heart issue. And this is so important that we ask God for help. That It's not only just the second application point, but it's the third as well. So we ask God for help, and then we ask God for help every day. Not just once. Because we need God's help with this all the time. Every single day when you wake up, say, God, help me to use my words to bring life. Help me to use my words to encourage one another, to, to push people forward, to lead people forward. Don't let me be the person that drags somebody down. Again, Psalm 141, verse 3, David says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. We read that earlier. Every day... We want to fill up our life with God's Word. Every day we want to fill up our life with Scripture. Every day we want to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, to recognize that we don't do this on our own, that it is not something that we can manage on our own, but we need His help inside of us. I know regularly I have to ask God to cover my words. 
Maybe you're in the same boat. Because once something comes out, once you hit send, there's no taking it back. Right? And there have been times that I have sent an email. There have been times that I have said something. There have been times that I've texted somebody something. And as soon as it's gone, I'm like, oh, that could be misrepresented. That could be heard wrong. That could hurt. And that's not what I want. Lord, cover my words. I always say, Lord, please cover my words. Help the person see what I intended to say. And if they don't, help me to make it right as soon as I can. Help me to make it right as quickly as possible. So ask God for help every day. And then lastly, ask a friend to hold you accountable. We have a problem with your words. Find somebody you trust and ask them to hold you accountable. Somebody who will tell you the truth. You know, Alex, you are whining about this. You are complaining about this. You shouldn't do that. You know, you are talking to me about a problem that you really should be addressing with the person that you have a problem with. We need those type of people in our lives who can help us do that. I need those type of people who will call me out and tell me that I am wrong. We all need those types of people. So I hope that you find someone like that. Because church, we have an incredible opportunity right now. There, there is so much negativity in our world. There is so much hurt in our world. There are so many issues in our world. And we, as the people of God, have a chance to make a difference. We have the chance to breathe life and hope and joy into so much negativity and critical thinking and, and, and attack after attack after attack. Because we have the hope that the rest of the world is looking for, even if they don't know that they're looking for it. We have the hope of eternity. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. We serve a Savior who came and lived a perfect life, yet died a horrible death in my place for my sins so that I can have a relationship with God. That is a hope that should change everything about who we are. That hope should be filling our hearts, and I pray that that reflects out of our hearts and out of our mouth through our words. Not only the words that we say, but the words that we type, the words that we send to one another, the ones that we put out there for all the world to see, and the ones that we keep to ourselves. Because just as an aside, the things that we say to ourselves sometimes, the lies that we tell ourselves, the way that we put ourselves down with our own tongue, has the potential to do incredible damage. So as the people of God, we have an incredible hope, we have an incredible opportunity to use our tongues for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that, that you have given us this powerful tool. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to use it wisely. God, we know that the power of the tongue is strong and that, that it can bring incredible devastation and destruction. It can hold us captive. It can, it can control our future. But on the other side, Lord, it's just as powerful. It can breathe life and hope and encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would help us to guard our tongues, that you would help us to, uh, to correct anything inside of our hearts that is causing the things to come out of our mouth that are coming out of our mouth that are not glorifying to you. Lord, we, we confess that we fall short of this regularly, and we also know that we cannot fix it on our own. So Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would invade each and every one of us, that you would, you would help us to guard our words, that you would help us to, to guard our tongues so that we could speak life and truth and hope to people. God, may you receive the glory and attention that you are due 
through the things that we say and the things that come out of our mouths. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Lord, I pray that you would bless Trinity Alliance Church in your name.